You're listening to Grace and Fire, brought to you by Emerging Women. Today, my guest is Dr. Terai Trent. Dr. Trent is one of today's most internationally recognized voices for quality education and women's empowerment. Distinguished as Oprah Winfrey's all-time favorite guest, Dr. Trent is a scholar, humanitarian, motivational speaker, educator, author, and the founder of Terror I Trent International, whose mission it is to provide quality education in rural Africa. Rooted in humble beginnings, Terror I grew up in a cattle herding family in rural Zimbabwe. Despite facing many obstacles, she never lost sight of her dreams for an education. Dr. Trent could not have imagined that her steadfast determination, hard work, and a belief in her dreams would eventually earn her multiple degrees and a prominent global platform with world leaders and international audiences where she leads the global charge in the fight for quality education and women's rights. Her new picture book, The Girl Who Buried Her Dreams in a Can, is based on this incredible story of perseverance. In today's episode, Tara and I spoke about her life story and how she kept hope alive during immense difficulty, the incredible universal power of belief, what she describes as the great hunger that fuels her passion to achieve her dreams, how she was able to step into her voice and the power of storytelling, and finally, her ultimate dream. Here is my conversation, Dream Big, with the incredibly inspiring and powerful Dr. Terrai Trent. Hello and welcome, Dr. Terrai Trent. How are you? I'm doing fine and thank you for having me here. Thank you. It's such a privilege. For those of you who are just learning about Dr. Trent, she recently was a guest at Emerging Women Live in San Francisco, and I think they're probably still trying to put the roof back on the hotel. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. I mean, it was you, an amazing. You were amazing. People were laughing and crying and you're a force of nature. And I just want to start with just saying how much gratitude I personally have for your story, for your work, but also just for your personal presence. Oh, thank you. You know, the the women at the Imaging Women were so gracious. I could feel their energy. So when I was standing in front of those women, they gave me this energy that helped me to tell a story. Oh. <laughs> With the, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, I mean, that's, I think it, well, yeah, there was definitely electricity both ways. So maybe we should start with, you have an amazing story, which we had the privilege of hearing at the event, but, and it's a story of overcoming just crazy, immense challenges. And yet you are somebody who's just filled with hope and joy. So I would love for you to just lead and tell us your story in a way, you know, we only, we have a certain amount of time here, but tell us your story and then particularly how you keep and kept in the face of these challenges, the spark of hope alive, and it's such a big driver for you. So how do you hang on to that when you're in the midst of all these obstacles and challenges and tragedy? You know, my mother used to say, without hope, we are dead. 
And so I needed to have hope because I also needed to break the vicious cycle of poverty in my family. You know, it's a cycle that runs so deep, leaving a trail of hurt, pain, and broken women. And I come from a generation of women who had been married young to older men. And um, I realized earlier on that my own great-grandmother was the 60 wife, my grandmother was the 50 wife, and my mother ended up taking care of many children that my father had sired. And, and by the time I also turned 18, I was a mother of three without a high school diploma, following the same battered road pathway that generations of women before me had followed. And at 22, I was just this hopeless case. But I had a very strong mother who said, it's not the enemy that is outside, but it is the enemy within you that is more formidable. If you can challenge that enemy, then you will be able to redefine your own life. And at that time in my life, I also met a woman from Hefa International who made me believe in my in my dreams. And, you know, it takes me to a point where the power of my thoughts around those dreams became a sacred space for me to experience possibilities because my imagination of what my life could be became boundless. I found myself telling telling myself that I was going to have an undergraduate, a master's degree, a PhD degree. And I could visualize my life in a in a different way, a better life, my children not having to go through what I had gone through. So that gave me hope. That gave me the energy to continue to believe that I was not going to be defined by these problems that were in front of me. Can I pause here? Because I just want to really clarify this. And I I wanted to ask you a few questions also at the event when you were telling the story. Your great-grandmother was what number wife to her husband? Did you say 60? 60, 60. Six, zero. Yeah. No, no. She was number six. Oh, number six. Yeah, still. My great my my great grandfather was a polygamist, and as well as my grandfather. So they had many many wives. And my grand my great grandfather married my great grandmother, and she became the sixty wife. And my grandmother became the fifty wife to my grandpa. Wow. Okay. And then when you were finally married, was that practice still happening? Was that still common? Where Oh, it was it was so common, and it is so common in uh, in Zimbabwe and many parts of Africa that um, your your father accepts um, a cow in exchange for your for your marriage, or in our days they are even accepting money for your for your marriage, and so it's a practice that's still going on. But the more we are getting educated, and the more women are rising the more they are, they are saying, no, we are not going to go through this because we are human beings and we have potential. And, and that's what drives me to do the work that I am doing to make sure that we educate women, we educate girls, 
so that they can achieve their own potential in life. Right. And we're going to get into this because your message is not just for women who are young girls in Africa that are facing these problems. Your message mm-hmm. is also for me. I mean, I have learned so much about, you know, just what you say about the inner thought dialogue and the power that we have to really overcome any obstacle and keep the vision big is a message that really is important no matter what your circumstances, no matter what the types of challenges you're facing. Yeah, yeah, it's so true because if we allow the challenges to define who we are, then we are allowing a a narrative that we don't want our own children and our community to identify with. And we have the power to change that narrative. And, uh, And I knew I had the power. I knew I did not want my own children to go through what my great grandmother and my grandmother and my mother and myself had gone through. And I knew the power was in the education. So I had to believe in myself that if I break this cycle, if I break it, then my own children won't go through it. So part of your story is that somebody came to visit you and from what it was the United Nations or No, it was Hefa International. Oh, yeah, uh Joe Luck right. from Hefa International. She came to my village I was about 22 years, and uh, I I had um, four children, and I remember I was pregnant, expecting my fifth child when she came. And um, she just found me uh, seated in a circle with many other women. I think we were about 12 women, and she joined that circle, and she started talking about the power of education and her interest in gender in gender equality. And I was so fascinated to hear a woman talking about older women like me having the opportunity for an education and changing the course of their lives. Oh, that that, that truly inspired me. So when she when she was talking about all these things, I, I remember the other women were talking about the need to educate their children and also the need to ensure that they have food security at household level. I was quiet. And Joe, like, at that time she was a program officer, and, and later I, she became the uh, CEO and president of HEFA International. She looked at me and she said, young woman, you have been quiet. What are your dreams? Oh, my goodness. I could not even imagine myself sharing these deep desires that I I had in my heart. And I had never had anyone asking me or anyone or a woman about their dreams. Neither did I thought that women had dreams that they could just share like that. So I was quiet and she, she nudged me and I said, I want to have an education. What kind of an education? I want to have uh, an undergraduate degree, a master's degree, and a PhD. <laughs> and and at that time, I didn't even have um, a GED. I, I, and I could see the other women saying, how can you say that? What about your children? What about your abusive husband? What is he going to say? And in that moment, I was overwhelmed. I had 
talked these dreams, and I had no idea how I was going to achieve these dreams. And then Jola looked at me and she said, if you desire these dreams and you believe in these dreams, they are achievable. My goodness. And finally, I'm finding someone who is looking at these dreams that are so big and say they are achievable. And I ran to my mother and I say to my mother, I found someone. She thinks that I can achieve my dreams. And my mother looked at me and she said, Tererai, if you truly believe in what this stranger has said to you and you work hard and you achieve your dreams, not only are you defining who you are, but you are also defining every life that comes out of your womb and generations to come. And that's when my mother said, bury your dreams and you'll see them grow. And uh, I buried my dreams. But what's interesting about that discussion with my mother, I come from uh, a, a culture where when a child is born, they snip the child's umbilical cord and they bury it deep under the ground with the belief that wherever the child goes, whatever happens in their life, the umbilical cord will always remind them of their death place. So my mother said, write down your dreams and bury them. So I wrote down my four dreams. And when my mother said, can you read back your dreams to me? And I read my dreams. And my mother said, your dreams will have greater meaning if they are tied to the betterment of your community. Ha! What does that mean? And my mother said, it's not about your personal dreams, but it's about how those personal dreams are connected to the greater good. So I ended up writing my sister dream and said, when I am done, I'll come back and achieve and improve the uh, lives of women and girls in my community. And I buried my dreams. And um, after burying my dreams, I started working towards those dreams. I started correspondence to achieve my GED, which took me eight years. Eight years. That is amazing. Wow. Yeah, and those were tough eight years, eight years of living in an abusive relationship, eight years of worrying where am I going to get the next tuition to pay for the next class, and eight years of never giving up, because I knew I was on a journey, a journey to break this cycle the cycle of poverty, the cycle of early marriages, the cycle of these ugly circumstances that uh, became part of me. And I I didn't want that. And so um, after I I achieved my GED, uh, a year later, I found myself at Oklahoma State University. Oh, my dear God. Uh, it was amazing for me to be in a foreign country and uh, taking classes, and I, I ended up achieving my uh, undergraduate in agriculture and then my master's in plant pathology. 
And uh, and I ended up going to work for Health International. And uh, it was it was just the coincidences were just so much. I couldn't believe that here I was working in this organization where the the woman. You know, where Joe Luck initially had inspired me. And I didn't even know that Joe Luck was working for the organization. And um, it was through some discussions that later I realized that Joe Luck was the president of that organization. Wow. Yeah. And then 20 years from the day I buried my dreams, I achieved my PhD at Western Michigan University. Wow. It was, it was incredible. It was, uh, even up to now thinking about it, I could not even believe it. But I, I remember as I was going to get that paper that says, now you are Dr. Terry Trent. I, um, I felt like a lawyer who had rested her case to the world to say, if we give opportunities to those who are marginalized, and torn down by the social ills of our time, they can achieve their dreams. And if we give education opportunities to women and girls, no matter their circumstances, they can achieve their dreams. And uh, I, I was I was so happy. I was so happy. And then that remained my my fifth dream. And I am thinking now. Now I have achieved all my dreams. But how on earth was I going to achieve my fifth dream? The fifth dream of bringing your whole vision back to the community and tying it back exactly. to the community. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and I remember the conversation with Jolak when she said uh, they are achievable. The word achievable itself, it means tinogona in my language. Wow, and it's such a powerful word. So I decided to design T-shirts and uh, and and put that word Tinogona. It is achievable on my T-shirt, and I thought I'm going to make many of these T-shirts, sell them, make millions, go home and rebuild schools and improve education, and show the people in my community that. I can make a difference. Women can make a difference. Girls can also make a difference. Mm-hmm. But you know what? <laughs> I I only sold the twenty t shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and realize I didn't have a marketing degree. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and uh, then what surprised me was this phone call, uh a phone call from Oprah Winfrey. And um, I ended up going to her show, and she donated $1.5 million to rebuild my childhood school. As though the universe was conniving for my success. I couldn't believe it, even when she announced it. I had to ask her, and I said, can you repeat it? Are Are you saying... You are donating 1.5 million to me, right. and she said, "Yeah, so that you can fulfill your fifth dream." Oh my goodness! Right. Oh my goodness! Yeah. And can I ask you how much of? I mean, it is remarkable how steadfast you have been 
since the, you know, if you have these dreams, it is achievable since burying your dreams into the earth, you have been unwavering in the bigness of your vision for yourself. And it just feels like since you did that, everything just fell into place and opportunities just kept coming to you. And I'm just curious to see like how much of that you still tie to that conviction that inner, like what was it about your internal state that allowed you, because you know, sometimes you have a dream and then an obstacle comes and you just get depressed and it's like, oh, I'm never going to be able to do it. But what was it inside of you that allowed you to stay super strong and unwavering? Because I believe that that quality that you had made all of this possible. You know, when we are pursuing our dreams, there is this fire and passion that is fueled within. And for me, the fire and passion, I call that the great hunger in me. Because I knew at the core or at my cellular level, I was carrying this ugly circumstance and I wanted to eradicate that circumstance in me. I did not want my own girls to go through what I had gone through. And I felt that I was carrying something within me that is going to change generations to come. I was going to change even if it was this genetic poverty in me, in my DNA. I wanted to change that. All I could think of was education. And I knew when I get the education, I'll be able to educate my own children. So I kept on on my vision and my dreams. You know, I was at Oklahoma State University. I never attended um some you know activities that other people would go to shows and what have you because I was so busy I had three jobs that I had to maintain and also I was taking care of my children but I also knew that here is an opportunity that I had been given and there are so many women and girls who were dying for this opportunity and they were not having it so who am I not to fulfill this opportunity and I could see a light at the end of the tunnel. And I knew that I was going to achieve my dreams. No matter what, I was not going to give up. Yeah. I, I didn't want to live in poverty anymore. Yeah. Now, see, so you have six kids, am I right? Yeah, yes. I mean, this is you know not a trivial thing. How did you do all of this with six kids? You know, I think that one of the things that worked for me was my ability to um, rally myself with others to get the support and also to expose my own vulnerability to others. So I had many who came to my to my help, uh, Oklahoma State University and the community and Head Start, a program that takes care of children, they all came to my aid. They helped me because I 
I, I didn't hold back what I was going through. I shared. And I think, uh, you know, as I listen to Brene, um, I think she teaches us so much because she talks about that courage which is born from our vulnerability to see it as a strength and not as a weakness. And that's what I did. So I had many who helped me. And that's why uh, I talk about standing on the shoulders of champions. And I think women, in many times, we, we refrain from sharing our sorrows and our hurts. But at times when we share, we get help. And it's okay to get help. It does not mean that we are weak. It does not mean that we are needy. But we just get we just want someone to give us a shoulder so that we can jump to the next step of our life. Yeah. Now, your daughter, one of your, I don't know if she was your youngest, but um, you, mm-hmm. your daughter was in the audience at Emerging Women Life. She's absolutely stunningly gorgeous and beautiful. And was that her first time seeing you speak live? I, I think so. I think so. I, I think she has seen me speak, but it wasn't, uh, you know, when I'm giving like your five minutes speech, but to see me roll out the whole speech and even talk about sexuality and all the things that I talked about, I think it was the first time for her. I'm just curious because you did, you got into sexuality. You, I mean, you know, it was just a remarkable, remarkable talk. And I'm curious to see, and you, you're a, you know, you're a storyteller, which I want to get into, but I'm curious to see what her reaction was in, in terms of like her own empowerment and her own connection to the material. When we, when we got home, she said, Mom, you are so powerful. You really make me want to do great things in life. Uh, she, was, she, was so, she was so happy. She, she says, you know, you, you really teach us that the sky is the limit. So I was so happy that uh, she sees that. And, um, you know, she's doing... Um, biological sciences at Western Michigan University. So she's really a smart kid. And, uh, but seeing my vision and seeing my tenacity, in many ways, it helps her to never give up on her own dreams. And I have another daughter. She graduated with mechanical engineering degree from Oklahoma State University. She's also a strong girl, and she, she truly believes that uh, her education to a larger extent, has to be also connected to the greater good. So that's what I teach my children. Wow. Yeah, I mean, just amazing to watch her watching you, and that was also a, um, a gift. And I, th- I think what you were given at a young age and what you continue to give to other people is that you see people at their highest potential. And there's a lot – and you were seen – as someone having a huge amount of potential. And it seems like there's such a lot of power in when we hold somebody else um, Mm -hmm. at their highest self, just Mm -hmm. seeing that in somebody else can be so transformational. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As you know, as individual, we all have potential power for greatness. And when I see my own power, I should also see, the other person's power. And it's important to see potential in another human being because 
at the end of the day, we are one in this life. You know, Chief Seattle said it so well. Humankind is not woven the web of life. We are but one thread within it. Whatever we do to the web, we do it to ourselves. All things bound together and all things are connected. Our survival is tied to the survival of everyone else. So it's important to see the potential in other human beings because it's an act of love and hope. And it points to the fact that every human life is important. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Such a good reminder. Now, I want to talk about, like, you are a gifted, gifted orator, a gifted speaker. And I'm just curious, when did you, I mean, it's one thing to get your PhD and, you you know, you study and that's all kind of, you know, you can do all that on paper. But when mm-hmm, did you really mm-hmm. step into the power of your voice? You know, I, I never, I, okay, I come from, I come from generations of storytellers. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was young, you know, after all the chores had been done, we would sit around and open fire. And when there is moon and if the war is not raging, we are sitting around this open fire. It's a big fire. And women from the village, they, are, they all come and join my grandmother and my mother and listen to these great stories. And the way my mother and my grandmother shared these stories, they become so vivid. You, you are almost going through the journey with them as they tell the stories. Whether they are telling stories of surviving in a patriarchal society, stories of surviving in, in a place where they are not being valued. But there's something that takes you into that journey, something that wants you to change the circumstance because their expression of the story makes it so good, even if there is adversity in it. So I learned that when I was young. And I, you know, and so when I go and speak, I just, I just know that I'm a storyteller because that's what I learned when I was young. And I've, I've heard people say, oh, have you, have you been through a training, you know, public speaking training? And, and I said, no, I, I'm not sure. Maybe I need to, but I'm not sure. Because when I, when I speak, I want to speak from my authenticity, from the truth within, not from uh, some kind of acting that I can do to impress my audience. Oh, so, yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you for that, because I think that is your gift. And, you know, I'm curious about the storytelling, because I think it is a powerful way to not only just own our history, but Mm -hmm. also to move. You made a comment about like it was it was almost like a way of moving through a lot of the adversity. Would you Mm -hmm. say that's true? Yeah, it's very true, because. It's, it's part of healing. As I was listening to my grandmother and my mother telling the stories, they were moving me deep within me to recognize their pain and their hurt, but at the same time to recognize the healing that was coming from knowing what they had gone through and the healing that was coming from knowing that I can change this pathway for myself and for my children if I have the opportunity. Yeah. Well, let's talk now about your storytelling because you actually just took 
all of that, not just in terms of speaking out loud, but you just published a children's book, which is absolutely beautiful. And it's the girl who buried her dreams in a can. And we yeah. sold it at Emerging Women. It sold out in maybe like 10 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm curious to see why you picked a children's book and what are your, your dreams for the book? You know, I picked the children's um, uh, children's book first because I wanted this story to be for children, to give them hope, to inspire them. Because I realized Children, as they are young, they are in a position where their mind is free. They can see possibilities. So I wanted to start from there. After I achieved my own dreams, I knew I wanted to write a book that inspired these young readers. Because as a child growing up in poverty, I had seen how the community prioritized the education for boys versus girls. So this experience made me realize that if I achieve my dreams, there are many girls and even boys out there who are also going through maybe what I have gone through or who may be in a situation where it's rough. They live in poverty, and I wanted to give them hope, and that was the reason for uh, writing the children's book. Yeah. It's, like I said, your work is very, you know, it gives a lot of hope to people who are in those adverse conditions, but it also is very relevant to, you know, our life here in the West, the anxiety mm-hmm. that these women, feel, you know, young girls feel and, um, you know, the images that they're getting in the media, that, mm-hmm. you know, their dreams can only be so big or, you know, it just feels like there's a lot of limit out yeah. there in terms of the messaging. And this kind of book is, you know, I wish I had something like this when I yeah. was young. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. And I'm hoping that the, the book will also encourage, um, uh, you know, girls to explore the world within their own imagination and to their dream big and never allow themselves to be defined by media, by what they see, but to really think deeply about what is it that they want in life. If this book is, uh, is going to help girls to, to, to invoke that dream within them, to bring that passion, oh, I'll be so happy. I'll be so happy. Well, I think it's well on its way for sure, given the excitement from everybody at the event. And so that's just released. So if you're listening to this, I encourage you, get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you can. It's really fabulous and very, very special. We're pretty much at the end of our time together, and I wanted to just sort of like sum up the accomplishments in your life have been remarkable. You you know, left Zimbabwe, you were featured in Half the Sky, the documentary, you you made it to Oprah. I mean, that alone, people could close the door and be done, right? You've got you, the PhD, you know, the GED, eight years, the master's, the PhD, six kids, a thriving marriage. I mean, just that could be done. People could just be put a period after the end of the, like a healthy marriage and be done. And you've just written a book. I mean, it just feels 
endless. And so I'm curious to see what is your ultimate dream? How big is your big? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? So my ultimate dream is to give back because all these things that you mentioned, the list is big. It's big because someone, some people, some women, some men, some individuals decided to look into my eyes and say it is achievable. I stand on the shoulders of many people. So I need to give back because what I have been given has made such a tremendous transformation in my own life. So I need to give back. But one of the things that I also recognize is I need to take care of my own health. So for the next 10 years, I'm going to make sure that I love myself, (laughs) give myself enough to take care of my own health. I I know I I don't eat right, so I I am on that journey. And I have already written uh, my dream that uh, in the next two years, my my health will be in good shape. I've already written it, and I, I didn't bury it. I have put it in a, in, a, in, a, in a can, and I have that can beside my bed. So I read it every morning to remind myself I need to go for a walk, to remind myself what kind of food am I going to eat? Is it going to nourish my body? Is it going to um, make me happy at the end of the day? So that's what I am doing. But I'm also um, dreaming to have my, to write more more children's books but also to have this, um, this current book, uh, The Girl Who Buried Her Dreams in a Can, to be made into an animation movie for children. So that's, that's on my radar for, um, for the things that I need to see. Well, I will hold that dream for you because I think it's definitely possible. And I mean, it's, it seems like to me that's the natural next step for the book. And all of the listeners here, let's hold this for Dr. Trent and may it be so. You dream big, sister. You dream big and it's very encouraging for all of us. You know, Thank you. Yeah, I really, really appreciate that. And you're doing it for yourself, but you're also doing it for countless, countless girls and women all over the world. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. Okay, and we'll be in touch soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye.